Welcome to the MetPro Method podcast. I am your host, Crystal O'Keefe. And today I am joined by MetPro founder, Angelo Poli. And today we're actually discussing weight loss and menopause. So this is kind of a follow up to our interview with Stacey Sims that we had last week because she brought up so many things. And now I have like a billion questions just for you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. I thoroughly enjoyed listening and learning from what Stacey brought to the table. Such great points. I have like a major girl crush on her. Like I think she's just fantastic. I follow all of her things. Okay, so let's start off with like, if you haven't listened to the episode with Stacey Sims, any listeners out there, I highly recommend you do that just for kind of the background of what Angelo and I are going to dive into today. And then specific, one of the questions I have for you, Angelo, is Stacey talks a lot about that you need to really increase the amount of protein that you're eating as a woman who's either going through perimenopause or menopause. And I know as a MetPro coach, we have options where we can increase some protein, we can keep it kind of the same, and we decrease and increase carbs. So how do we make that work specifically for our clients? And how do we know when the best time to do that is? Absolutely. Great question. Okay, so on the protein needs. So this is an across the board. If you want to retain your youthfulness. By the way, that's whether you're a male yeah. or female, Okay, you want to maintain your muscle mass. And of course, that is related to protein. And coming from our protocol, the foundation being sports nutrition, that's going to be a baseline that's built in across the board, no matter where you're coming from. What we learn as we dive into more of the science behind what happens in perimenopause and menopause is all the ingredients that we start missing at that stage in our life for a woman. All of the biological changes that start taking place really, unfortunately, are an assault on woman's lean mass, her body composition is, and as we age, strength, particularly explosive strength. So what happens is it doesn't become more important than it is for anyone else. It's that the bottom falls out for women who are going into perimenopause and menopause, so it makes it even more important that we have that dialed in and we're not missing anything in that department. Now, how much protein should you get? Crystal, what's my answer? It depends. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a good assumption that for the average person coming to us, for the average female in that circumstance, if you're not already in the fitness lifestyle, Typically, that means more or at least spreading it out a little bit more optimal. And of course, it's all going to depend on who you are, where you're going, what you're trying to accomplish, what your priorities are. And then we're going to determine perfect. Here's where we're going to start with a protein. Here's the best way to get it to you. And here's how we're going to make it simple, easy and effective on a daily basis. Okay. So then I start kind of going down the road of like, selfishly, I try to figure out how that relates to me specifically, because I'm trying to increase my running, like the amount. I'm also trying to increase my speed. And of course, I want to be strong, but I don't want to be too bulky because I tend to, as soon as I start doing weights, we've talked about this before, I kind of get bigger. So yeah, help. (laughs) How do I reverse all of that? Yeah. Well, The answer is that kind of technical, weird term called periodization. Okay. So what we think about that is in training cycles. So what is our goal during this training cycle? Now, one of the things that I loved that 
Stacey Sims talked about was the importance of a certain type of training. Basically, what she enumerated was high intensity training for women, including that high intensity, not just high intensity, like, oh, put more effort into it. No, like what she really described was that either submaximal anaerobic endurance or even more kind of like that all out burst going to push. And that could be sprint training. That can be power sports. That can be anything that is going to overload central nervous system, force the body to adapt in ways that recover what's often lost for women. So that can be done via classic strength sports. So we can get into the gym, we can do some heavy weight training. And often, including some of that is only going to help with youthfulness and longevity. That is not the only way to do it. Another way to do it, for example, someone who's allocating time for their endurance sports. Say you are a runner, but you need to include some of this higher intensity explosive work. Well, we can do sprint training. We can do a host of different plyometric activities, and we can include some strength training that's not going to make you bulky. And just in general, that's not something you should be worried about. Yeah. Now, your coach will call it out, okay, if there's an issue in this department, but that's not really something that most people are going to, most females are going to participate in at a level that's going to be a problem. That's like people saying, well, wait a second, I want to go this career, but I don't want to make too much money. Right. Yeah, I don't want to make too much money. <laughs> I had clients that would come in and years ago in my office, I'm not one of those guys that would have pictures of bodybuilders on the wall or anything like that. But I did have kind of a old school black and white pick of Arnold. Okay. Uh, and every time you almost put it on the calendar, as soon as the person would meet and then walk out, I'd meet with a guy and we'd talk about his physique training and what we're going to do. And he would see it on the back of the door and he'd go, now, I don't want to get that bulky. <laughs> I'd say, oh, I'm glad you told me because had you not mentioned anything, I mean, we were going to blow way past Arnold and you were going to be that big next week. <laughs> Trust me, you are at no risk of those issues taking place. We will catch it long before it gets there. But let's talk about first the practical side, and then I want to come back to actual steps for you, Crystal, because okay. we're kind of right in the middle of it. So practical side, and forgive me if I get the quote wrong, but somewhere in the ballpark of Stacy said the benefits of like doing three to six rep training. Yep. That's really that strength rep range, where it's absolutely going to force you to overload. Now, in my experience, someone who is untrained, who tries to do just three to rep, six reps is either simply stopping before they're done <laughs> because they're using a weight that's far too light. Or in practical terms, what I find is we have to train and exercise to get in good enough shape to participate in the training and exercise that will transform our physiques, transform our body. And that is a classic example of why routine is so important, mm -hmm. why there should be at least some level of resistance training in your routine and the benefits that it can have. It's also why there seems to be a little bit of a perception discrepancy between how men and women get in shape 
at different paces. It's like men get in shape so fast or they can lose weight so fast or this, that or the other. That can be true. And we can go into a host of hormonal reasons, et cetera, fuzz muscle mass. But really, there's just a kind of practical explanation for that that outpaces any of those other contributing factors. What's that? When I talk with a guy who says, yeah, I want to get back into exercise, and then we go back and recount their history, it's quite often they spent in high school or college or at some point in their life a few years training in the weight room, and they have experience. They've built up that muscle memory. They've had a point in their life where they've done heavy load training. They've learned literally the techniques for the training. They've learned how to do those things before their body has experienced it. Maybe there's been a decade hiatus. <laughs> but you've got some muscle memory going on. You have some muscle memory going. Now I get to, and this may not be you, but... No, it's definitely you know, me. At home, our listeners, maybe this isn't you, but there's definitely, we get a large segment of the population that's like, have you ever lifted weights? And they're like, well, I've done a few group classes when I was younger, but now I'm... 49 years old, the weight room is, you know, it's all the guys and the machines and the grunting and the, I've never really done that before. Probably week one, we're not going to be going in and loading up a bar with plates and doing sumo deadlifts. It's just, you know, what this woman has to do is she needs to get to that explosive training, that strength training, that conditioning, and she will, and it'll happen faster than she thinks. But she's going to have to invest an extra amount of time into getting her body conditioned to handle training with intensity. Whereas that guy has that experience. It might be literally just a few weeks to get ready for that intense training. For some women that don't have a history in it, it could be a few months. And that's what I try and prepare people for. It's like, well, why are you having me do this strength training routine now? Is this going to help me lose weight tomorrow? No, it's not. What it's going to do is it's going to lay the foundation for the training that three months from now is going to change your life. But we have to start somewhere. That's what we're working for. So that way we can have that intensity. Did I tell you the story about what people would say when they used to walk into the gym years ago and look at the transformations on the wall? (laughs) They would always glance at them and say, wow, I want to look like that. You know, (laughs) what did they do to get that transformation? Because I had the before and afters on the wall at the old gym. What do they look like to you? You know, man, they look like an athlete. Ding, ding, ding. That's the trick. You want to look like an athlete? We're going to train and become an athlete. And I know a lot of people like, no, that's not me. I've never been an athlete. I'm not interested in being an athlete. I just want to get healthy and lose a few pounds. Throw that out. Mentally, that is holding you back. You are an athlete. You need to be an athlete for the sport that you are participating in, your life. And that means maintaining that youthful vigor. That's going to be found on the other side of some intensity in your training. You want to be able to lose the pounds, get healthy, improve your cardiac health, get better blood work, and simply have the energy to play with your grandkids. We're going to turn you into an athlete for that. And so here's the steps that we take. It's just a matter of degree, finding the right entry level. And then, of course, that dovetails back into everything we're always talking about, and that is lifestyle and consistency and routine. And here's the tools to do that. 
the best place to start and how we get there. But it is incredible how women, even dealing with perimenopause, women in the middle of menopause can still have a lot of control over the hormonal changes that are taking place in their body when it comes to their body composition. I think that is new information to me. I mean, after talking to Dr. Sims, hearing that, like hearing that you actually have the ability to fight back naturally with things is fascinating. For you, Crystal, what we're doing is we're simply taking advantage of the time periods that we want to rev your metabolism to also participate in a performance cycle. That is a great opportunity because if you're at home listening and you're going, well, this is great and everything in the last episode with Stacy said that sounds great, but if I'm trying to lose weight, don't I have to cut calories? Don't I have to decrease some of my carbohydrates? Don't I have to reduce my intensity? Will that impact my performance? And so the bottom line is, yeah, there is a monochem of that. When you're cutting, you're not going to have as much fuel for recovery. You cannot cut indefinitely. Your body will require breaks. Therefore, during those breaks, those are ideal times to push the boundaries on performance, to dip your finger in. Now, if you're working with one of our Met Pro coaches, you're already doing some resistance training. You're already doing some condition. You're already in it. But to push the boundaries on it a little bit, go into a performance cycle. So I used to lecture and I would give this lecture in colleges and things like that to the physiology department or even nutrition department where we would cover evaluation-based coaching based on body composition and performance transformation. And it was literally a mathematical look at here are your options and at boiling down the finite amount of changes you can make to your diet or training, how it'll impact your body, and mathematically what options that leaves you with for one step, next step, next step. Now, I would take the students through that. Here's what we found. You can do everything right. And we can start at the top of that funnel and you can make all the right changes. And with exercise and with your nutrition, with your diet, with your schedule, with your training, with your lifestyle, your body will absolutely respond to that. It will begin changing. Somewhere at the end of that chain, you will still reach a plateau where your body goes, this is how far I come. I have adapted to these changes. And if nothing else changes, it's basically where you're going to stay. If you want to change further, something has to be readjusted. Now, we've pulled every single lever. What's left? And I would always ask the students this, and it would just stymie them. They could never come up with the answer. You have to go all the way back to the beginning and now reset your goal for a time, for a time, not indefinitely, for a time. Now, what goal do you think is most common when somebody calls up one of our MetPro coaches? What do you think is most common? Weight loss. That's it. Do you want to lose weight or do you want to focus on performance? And we get both. Yeah. We get more weight loss. Yeah, Absolutely. So now we've gone through the whole process and we're down however many pounds. We've made great progress, but it's like, look, I really want 10 more pounds. Look, I really want that next level of that physique and athleticism. Great. Now we're going to go back and we're going to go through the whole process again, but we're changing the parameters. Now we're not trying to lose more weight. 
We're trying to transform your performance. We're trying to make you stronger. We're trying to make you leaner, improve your body composition, maintain your body weight, but focus on a true performance cycle, a performance cycle. And when you go through that, then you get more than just the metabolic adaption. You know, if we take someone through a brief up adjust cycle or a metabolic revving cycle, in a few weeks, they can offset most people, can offset the effects of dieting on their metabolism. Two or three weeks is not enough time to create physiological adaptions and hitting new PRs and improving strength and increasing loads and doing that high load training or explosive training and really taking your performance to another level. That takes a little longer. It doesn't take years and years, but it could take a few months. Go through a performance cycle. Your body on a hormonal level will transform. On a neuromuscular level will transform. And it's going to be the most potent up adjust or revving cycle you've ever done if you're increasing your intake and step with that. Then you can go back through the funnel and go through a, a very strategic process. And now next time you push for weight loss, it's going to be that much easier because you have turned into that athletic machine or you've taken several steps towards it. For you, Crystal, <laughs> right now we are in the tail end of a performance cycle. Now we're moving into more of, okay, we're cutting intake down. We are doing more of the calorie burning aerobic activity and we're going to ride this down. But in about two or three months, we're going to have a cycle where I'm going to have you really increasing the resistance on your tonal. We're going to have you using the weights. We're going to include more speed or hit training in your running schedule. And we're going to focus on getting all those adaptive responses that are going to transform your body composition. And the side effect, of course, is a faster metabolism because then the cutting cycle that's coming right after that, what happens when you do a cutting cycle? You lose weight, you lose fat. Yeah. It's much more effective, Yeah, much more effective. And so that's why we can take all of these recommendations that Stacey Sims was saying in her interview about the importance of having that intensity in your training and not being afraid of doing some heavy weights or explosive training and that sort of thing. And that can be worked so seamlessly into a revving cycle. And here's really the point I wanted to get across. Even if you're thinking, yeah, Angelo, I just want to lose weight. Guess what? This will help with that. This will help. It will contribute towards that. But this is going to help the long game. This is going to help you lose the weight and keep it off through your late 40s, through your late 50s. It's going to help keep you youthful and vigorous through your 60s, even 70s. I have had clients in their 80s wow. that are still youthful and they always have a routine to keep their physical strength intact. And usually they've had it in place for some years. So, of course, I'm a huge fan of resistance training as anyone who's ever Listen to us, no, but it has so many benefits when it comes to vitality and longevity. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. And I'm so glad that I've been able to integrate it. And I love whenever clients are excited to try it and then they get better at it and they get more comfortable. That's very exciting. So was there anything else when you were listening to Dr. Sims that you felt like, oh, I need to make sure that I explain this piece of it from a MetPro perspective? Well, I'm interested in 
I need some help losing weight or I need some help getting in shape because it's harder now that I'm in menopause or perimenopause, et cetera. And you're not crazy. That's not in your head. For all the physiological reasons that she enumerated, here are the things that are stacked against you that make it harder, but you're not without options. What most people want to hear is, oh, yeah, if you just eat this one food, that's going to undo all the effects because you're dealing with, yeah, well, everyone else eats different. You, uh, you're going to eat just these special ingredients and that's going to undo the effects of menopause. Is that not what superfoods are? No, no. Doesn't quite work. And she mentioned some supplements and things like that that are helpful. And that is great. But what did she say was the main pieces? I mean, the healthy macronutrients and eating clean. And I mean, it's the same basic stuff that we say at MetPro is what I was hearing, like really clean. (laughs) And not being afraid of that intense training and that fitness lifestyle. That is so huge. And in order to be effective of that, you need the clean eating and the, you know, the nutrition and all those pieces. So it's really easy to start missing some of the things that your body needs, especially if you get sidelined by fat or gimmick dieting. There's some kind of wonky stuff out there that directly undermines your body's ability to have all the nutrients that it needs to perform. And what that does is it's detrimental to anyone. But if you fall under this category of I'm going into menopause and I have these hormonal changes and it seems like I'm holding less muscle, my body wants to accumulate more belly fat, falling into cycles of crash diets, yo-yo dieting, it amplifies that process. I know now we're taking a little extra time here, but I think this is important for people to hear. In our minds, what we can assume sometimes is, well, I tried a diet. It was this weird, wonky, extreme thing where I was just doing this weird food and it was you know, 21 days and I lost 10 pounds. And then, of course, gained it right back because, <laughs> of course, you don't eat for 21 days. You do something really wonky and it wasn't a real thing. And then, oh, well, I'll try something else next time. So in our mind, it's like, well, nothing gained, nothing lost. That's not true. Yeah. I really feel like everybody needs to have an asterisk on that because I did not know that until I started hearing you talk about this. So explain, what is it? What's the downside? So when you lost that 10 pounds from that crash diet, You were not outlifting weights and doing any sort of PR type training because you were exhausted and you were hardly eating anything. You were doing a crash diet. When you lost weight, what you lost was maybe about six pounds of fat and about four pounds of muscle. Maybe it wasn't quite that bad. Maybe seven pounds of fat and three pounds of muscle. That's fairly typical. And then you gained it right back. Yeah. Did you gain that muscle? No. No. So what happens is you exchanged some fat and some muscle for maybe you're just the same weight. Maybe you're a pound lighter. But if you've ever noticed, it feels like, wow, my body's storing it differently or I'm carrying it differently, especially in belly fat. Like I never used to carry my weight in my belly. That can become pronounced after multiple cycles of crash dieting. I lose the weight and then I gain it back. I lose the weight through crash dieting and gain it back. We need to end that cycle, throw that out. We need to take a more sports nutrition, long-term healthy view of how we approach diet and get you there 
not because you've starved yourself for a week, but because your metabolism is ticking up and starting to run a little faster. Now, even with moderate diet restriction, all of a sudden it starts working again. Instead of when we persistently subject our body to crash diets, our metabolism goes through this process called adaptive thermogenesis. And it affects everything. <laughs> if you read, Crystal, the literature on how your body adapts to dieting and weight loss, you'd throw your hands up and say, I can never lose weight. It's never possible to keep it off. But it is. The truth is you're everything from the leptin levels, the gut hormone ghrelin, everything from the hypothalamus to your brainstem and the neuropeptides in your body all acclimate your metabolism and how it utilizes energy as fuel as it's taking in and your body releases hormones and insulin levels and just the whole nine yards, everything acclimates to basically defend against weight loss. And so when you do these crash diets, you're triggering all of those responses without really getting all the benefits because you can't keep it off if you do it that way. What you need to do is instead encourage your body to be more efficient, to be a more expensive metabolic machine. So that way, just some modest restriction, some appropriate training, and now all of a sudden, we're going in the right direction. That's sustainable. One last thing, and then we'll wrap it up for the day. They have done studies that has now concretely shown what we have been anecdotally saying for years. That is people in a high flux state have a much higher likelihood of metabolic homeostasis than people in a low flux state. And I'll explain what that means. People in homeostasis, it's a fancy word for saying energy balance, they're neither gaining nor losing weight. If they are maintaining their weight, but eating really higher intake levels and they're moving more, they may not be losing weight, but it is predictive of future weight maintenance. Interesting. So someone who's eating more and moving more is a high predictor of future weight maintenance. Meanwhile, you have another person also maintaining their weight. So they're not gaining weight or losing weight either. They're eating less and they're moving less. That is almost always predictive of future weight gain. That is why we are always trying to get our clients to speed their metabolism so they can have a higher intake and, of course, pair that with consistent exercise and activity because those are the ingredients that are going to enable any weight loss to be permanent. Otherwise, you're in this state of just yo-yo dieting, and these are all the things that you want to avoid. So, I know we've gone for multiple tours of duty with this here, but... <laughs> Uh, these conversations are always fun. Thank it's you. so fascinating, though. Like, I mean, I like to dig down into the depths of why all the things work together the way they do. So thank you for taking the time to explain all of that, Angelo. Thank you, Crystal, for taking the time today. <laughs> Listeners, that's all for this week. You can find all the MetPro Method episodes anywhere you get podcasts or you can go to metpro.co slash podcast. Also, please be sure to follow the show and rate and review. It lets other people know what they can expect from the show. You can learn more about MetPro at MetPro.co. 
I'm your host, Crystal O'Keefe, and I'll be back next week. Until then, remember, consistency is key.